Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of The Front 3. Adam Boltwood here, joined as always by the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Are you alright? I'm great. Yeah? I, I give myself... Sound a bit tired. Have you had a long week? Yeah, it's been a long week. It has been a long week. But um, I'm excited to be here, Lawrence, with you and with Dave O'Brien himself. Dave, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I've had a pretty long day moving out. So I've been up since about, half, about 8 o'clock just what, doing stuff. What's your address but, now, no? Dave? What's your address? I live in Stratford now, Lawrence. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. I think um, you're you're moving house, and also the busy week that myself and Lawrence has had has unfortunately delayed this podcast until today. Obviously, yeah. usually it's Wednesdays today. We're coming out on Thursdays, but that gives us the chance to talk a little bit about you know all the Champions League action, all of it. Europa League. Do you want to talk about Europa League a little bit? There's a little bit. Liverpool went away. Um, Midtjyllands lost five nil to Napoli. Wow. Um, <laughs> At this point, the Spurs are still playing. They're 1-0 up, thanks, thanks to Harry Kane. You were saying he's back in form, Adam? I think he, he is back in form. Yes, obviously, he got a hat-trick against Bournemouth last weekend, scored against Villa um, on, on Monday night, a beautiful first-time finish. And I was just saying, just before we started the podcast there, that uh, the, the finish we just saw there against Anderlecht, he might not have scored that a month ago, but now his confidence is high, he's firing on all cylinders, and for a Spurs fan, it's good news, because it was, it was getting worrying for a second. Isn't that incredible, though, how quickly things can turn around? I mean, for, especially for a number of sides this week. I mean, if you look at the Europa League, then uh, there's obviously a, a lot of 1-0s in there. Uh, there are a couple of 4-0s. Dortmund, obviously, winning 4-0. And Napoli, obviously, winning 5-0. And there's also a lot of other close scores in there. And if you look at the Champions League on the other two games, there have been some good matches this week, guys. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk a little bit Where'd about start? A, the big scoring game. I think the big headline... Roma, Leverkusen. <laughs> Roma, Leverkusen, three oh. two. Another great game. Uh, Dave, did you, did you watch this one? So basically, I watched the start of the Arsenal game, and um, by what was it? You know, whatever the score I think it was, was four, four nil. I decided to yeah. turn over to the Leverkusen game. Right, yeah. there was no midfield. It was absolutely. It was like kids were playing football, but this was at the top of Europe, and it was mental. I think um, Leverkusen were playing a centre half in top rec and. Kevin Campbell, who's a winger in central midfield, but it just wasn't there. Watch the first two uh, Roma goals. The Leverkusen line is ridiculous. It's so high. But no, it was a brilliant, brilliant encounter. And the penalty at the end, it was just, it sort of summed up a fantastic game of football. Hernandez with a lovely goal. 
Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So in the, in the, if you've not seen it, the last in the winning goal, basically um, it's a bit of a scramble in the box. Ball comes out to De Rossi, I think. He has a shot on goal. And then um, Mo Salah is about one yard out. Yeah. And he goes to tap it in and then overcomes. I think it's Toprek comes back from midfield and he just pushes <laughs> him over, yeah. gives away a penalty and gets a red card. Mm. And then Pranic, a fantastic penalty. One of the best penalties I've seen in a while. He hit it quite close to the goalkeeper, but it was hit at such pace that it just went underneath him. Mm. The cracking in Rome. Two, two Premier League players obviously doing very well in that game. Well, ex-Premier League players, Jacko and Salah. Mm. The two big money teams buying them. Two, t- two, team, two players that I know other other lower slightly lower down teams in the Premier League had their eye on mm. and you'd argue that neither of those guys fe- feature particularly prominently in the Premier League ever are Mo Salah no Dzeko more so Hernandez but, you know, as well and Hernandez as well but th- I mean there's a point to be made there um, that sometimes players go a little bit wasted in the Premier League when the big teams buy them and use them as utility yeah. or you know sub players like that as watching Mo Salah the more and more I watch him the more I think God I'd so love good. to see him under uh, uh, I was going to call him Brendan Klopp Klopp uh, at, at oh, Liverpool yeah, of course. Um, and you think the same of obviously players like Maluda and uh, Quadrado and people like that as well the other big game of course Lawrence was uh, Bayern Munich versus Arsenal uh, no Arsenal. I was thinking more Shakhtar 4 Malmo nil. I mean it's, it's another one but another four goal scoreline uh, beaten by four goals were Arsenal Mullard is what the headline I saw on more than one back page today but it, it does put Arsenal in a in a bad position, it doesn't look like they're going to qualify from the group. At it takes the it out of their hands. It takes it out of their hands. Um, it doesn't look good, though. It doesn't look fantastic. It means that uh, Olympiacos's results obviously have to go Arsenal's way. Um, and if you look at the, the table, then obviously Arsenal are better off by Zagreb because of goal difference. Um, but apart from that, you'd also say there were just some fundamental problems with what Arsenal were doing. And what, I mean, you said it to me, I think it was the balls out approach of Pep Guardiola beforehand, just going, well, all we need to do is uh, pressure the two centre-backs and Arsenal can't really play. <laughs> that's, Dave, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because Arsenal obviously had a few injuries, um, which forced Wenger's hand in terms of team selection. You know, the Debushi was back in the team. They didn't have Walcott, for example, whose pace may have stretched it. But what do you think Bayern and Pep Guardiola did tactically to get such an emphatic result. So I think one thing that helped a lot was having starting Thiago a little bit deeper and playing a single holder in Xabi Alonso to allow Thiago to be a little bit more advanced. And then obviously um, it was Douglas Costa come into a central zone and then Muller was in there. But for me, it was you know it, it was more Arsenal self-destructed in the first leg. Arsenal were so sorry the first um, game. Arsenal were brilliant at getting two banks of four with an attacking midfielder, then a striker like behind the ball. In this game, if you watched it, Joel Campbell and Alexis Sanchez, yeah. they were the issue. That's why it was, you know, the amount of time that you had David Alaba and Philip Lahm just yeah. in advanced areas, just causing all sorts of trouble. Philip Lahm created more chances than anyone in the game. David Alaba scored a goal and got an absolutely wonderful assist. Basically, the Bayern's two best players, um, in my personal opinion, when they're playing the correct position in Alaba and Lahm, played their correct position against Arsenal and then they tore them apart. I think that's what it is. It's, so I think it's a combination of Wenger's mis- not, not Wenger's mistakes, Arsenal's injury problems and then Bayern just you know, exploding into life with their full-backs and with Thiago. I liked uh, Pep Guardiola coming out after the game and he was still somewhat unimpressed. And he was sort of saying... <laughs> I want 100% possession. Yeah, 100% possession is what he said. Pep, so, that's not possible. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unlikely. I'd say, but it is interesting. No, no that, it's that. impossible. Literally, <laughs> yeah. you cannot have a kick-off. 
it, kickoff is at least you know a, a point one of a possession. It is interesting though, that quest for perfection he's got because as you you sort of highlighted Thiago there, Dave, he was even uh, suggesting that Thiago had a fantastic game, was sort of giving the ball away too easily, and there's there's things he can do better. So looking at that, it's obvious that. Pep Guardiola sees there is another gear, there's another level to go to. A lot of people saw that performance last night and they're saying, you know, Bayern Munich are going to win the, the, the Champions League this season. Do you feel like in the third season now, Guardiola, this is almost like the culmination of all that work over the past two seasons and now it's coming to this this head almost? I think it is that. Yeah, no, Thiago um, was excellent in the game, obviously. Absolutely brilliant. But I saw that game and I thought, wow, this they look a little bit like champions. But then, did you see any of the Barcelona highlights? Yeah. Neymar and Suarez together are, you know, absolutely mm. killing it. So I think it's going to be it's going to be exciting, very exciting again. I really want to see Bayern Munich versus Barcelona at some point in the competition. It's not final. I want to see that over two legs because that will be absolutely fantastic. But I think, I think Bayern a look at the moment. If you're going to put your money on it, I'd go with Bayern. But this Barcelona team again, without Lionel Messi, is already creating a massive head of steam. It was something like. I think they've. I think um, after oh, the last thirty-two goals, something like that, and Suarez and Neymar have scored twenty of them. Mm. So it's oh, yeah. European football again. It's it's brilliant. It's exciting. It's the, fantastic. You know, we're seeing a load of top teams. I want to see what happens when a team comes up against Real Madrid or Chelsea mm-hmm. and a team that can actually defend at the back um, and you know we'll have a, a coach that's willing to just be resolute and say you know what we're, we're just going to sit back and let you guys do whatever you want because Real Madrid have I mean you know the coverage is essentially are oh, boring Benitez boring Benitez but if you look at what Benitez has done at other clubs very typically his first season has been particularly boring as the basics have gone into place and then they've become they've become a more controlling side as they've gone on and they've learned to control games in certain ways. And I think that's part of, maybe that'll be the up and the downfall of Benitez at, at Real Madrid because he, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily play Galactico football. But if they control games and they can strangle another side and it means they'll win more, I imagine that mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of happier Real Madrid fans with consistent results there. Uh, even if, you know, they become, uh, that's the problem, is if they become the bad guys of Europe, then... People sort of go, well, you know, Benitez has got to go. We don't want to be the bad guys. Or is it just that it's just the English press that think he's the bad guy? Uh, speaking of bad guys, we also had Chelsea in action last night. Um, William saving them somewhat. Maybe saving Mourinho, Lawrence. Yeah, uh, ironically, the only guy who, uh, <laughs> who want, it looks like he wants to actually play for Mourinho right now. Yeah. Um, could be anyone in that dressing room, lads. Could be anyone in that dressing room, but we probably know who it is. <laughs> um, it, the, it was, you know what, I the, credit to Mourinho because, uh, you know, if it is, if, well, if it is uh, Hazard, then he's still keeping him on the bench um, and he's trying to keep it quiet. Um, and at the same time, you'd say Chelsea still... Disparate at times still didn't look like they were in any sort of gear. I also think that when it comes down to Willian and anyone else on the side, he's always the one making the effort, and it it just doesn't look like there's there's no synergy between the players. I mean, I'm I'm watching fan cams before this, and the fa- like there's just fans in complete denial that this team are bad. Um, uh, it, you know, I mean, it, genuinely, if it was Liverpool fans, people were going, that is mental, that is deluded. If it was, you know, United fans, people would be having a laugh. 
but for some reason, because it's Chelsea fans, people Chelsea, are like, yeah. well, I mean, Mourinho can turn around. It's all part of it's all part of mentality because that club has in for years instilled the idea that well, you know, Mourinho will find something, and it's all part of the mentality, blah blah blah, uh, siege mentality. And because it's worked for them in the past, they expect it for, it for it to work now. But I think there are some people who have found that out and are starting to exploit it. They're, they're, a lot of Chelsea fans are taking confidence from that win, though, even though it wasn't the most convincing going into... Um... Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm Team Mourinho. <laughs> there we no, go. You guys, I am, I'm Team Mourinho in this one. Dave, are you, um, are you Team LVG? Manchester United get um, a win against CSKA, but they're, uh, they're not, still not playing great football, are they? Whoa, we scored a goal, Adam. What I mean, are you on about? It's pretty, imp- it's we, pretty impressive that you managed to score after how many minutes? We scored a goal. It was, um, you know, six hours and 44 minutes later, Man Dear United Lord. scored a goal. Dear I've Lord. never, you know, the, there's been some goals that I've celebrated, but I really celebrated that goal because it's, you know, we never know when the next one's going to come. It's like a release. Could be another, absolute release. Yeah, it could be another se- seven hours, but no, United were a hell of a lot better. They played more of a 4-4-2 against um, CSKA. The, the thing that was encouraging was the amount of uh, players that were running in behind the two wide players were getting forward a lot. Um, Jess Lingard had a fantastic game. I'm still not too sure whether he's going to make, you know, make the real cut at United and you know be sort of one of their go-to guys. But at the moment, he's playing very well. Um, the substitutions were still, you know, a bit stupid from Van Al, in my personal opinion. Marlon Fellaini coming on. Okay. It's uh, for me that wasn't the right move. Hmm. Obviously, you can credit him. Oh, yeah, we won the game, but. You're bringing on Marouane Fellaini, who, quite frankly, hasn't made much of an impact this season in these types of games when he's come on. So I think he's come on something like eight times in games. And it'd be interesting to see how much how much, what he affects it, because quite frankly, I don't think he does. With a player of Memphis Depay on the bench, I really want to see Martial and Memphis Depay play up front together and just you know see what happens. That's what I just want to see. That's mm. just something that I think could really click and really work and you know really push United forward. What do you think of this? There's a there's a there's a growing dissatisfaction with Van Hal. When the team's winning, everything's fine. But obviously, as we've seen in these last few weeks, when things aren't going quite so well, there there are questions asked, and a lot of people saying, you know, this this needs to be his last season. Yes, he's arrested the downward spiral, as it were, for Manchester United. He's steadied the ship, but I feel like United fans and critics should be expecting more from United. Well, I think that you've got to look at how much money has been spent over the last few seasons. But then again, it's not just, you can't, you know, whoever is the blame for whoever, you know, you can't really shoehorn the blame into one manager. I think it's a collective um, institutionalised problem at the moment with the signings that have gone recently that have not, you know, that have not fitted with the manager or the ma- the choice of manager, obviously not fitting the club. Or I, You know, there's a, a lot of problems with Manchester United. It seems like as soon as Ferguson's gone, um, there's no one there to make the decision. So everyone's like, Who, who's going to do it now? Oh, is it going to be, you know, is the physio going to make all the decisions? Is, is the team manager going to make all the decisions? Yeah, it seems the like there's a it. gulf. There's a gulf of, of power in a way, a power vacuum. That's what I'm looking for. So basically you've, you've taken Ferguson out as a dictator. You've removed the dictator. Now we've created a power vacuum and there's nobody that's taken up and taken sort of the hold of, the, of Manchester United. I feel that Van Hal's trying to do it. But I, again, I don't think he's got the full Ferguson hold. So, you know, it's not it's kind of going away from football analogy. But then, I don't know. That's sort of how I feel <laughs> is, right now. But it's, is that part of the problem, though, Dave? Is that when you're trying to rebuild an institution because you had someone who was there for such a long time, then there is going to be there are going to be gaps in power. And you know, I mean, you call it a vacuum, which makes it sound absolute, but it means that there are there are 
elements of vacuum within the club or elements where there isn't anything that's been fulfilled right now. So, you know, it, it, it's a very simple point, really. It's not that Van Gaal is bad at everything. It's just that there are elements which aren't being fulfilled, which mean that everything looked bad. Yes, I think that's it. I think, yeah, I, I'd say one thing that would need to sort out is the signings. Um, with whichever manager that we want, I think there's been a massive cock up in that in recent in recent years. Obviously, Martial has been an absolute incredible signing for Manchester United. I'm so so impressed with him. He's so strong. No one else in saw that coming though, did they? Well, this is the you know this is the thing. And yes, why didn't we buy Martial at the start of the window? There's a big question for you. You know why not? If if they've identified his talent, and or they have no strategy. Good point. You see what I mean? Like, what, where, where are they going? Are well, they, I mean, okay, it's, from the outside, it's, but I mean, from the outside, yeah. it, it is um, it, obviously it's going to be frustrating from the outside to watch. But at the same time, you'd say, uh, you, you, like, like Adam says, if they've steadied the ship, then when the next manager comes in, then there are going to be funds there for Manchester United to spend and for for the players, for the, for the players and the managers. Mm. In other football news this week, Dave, we also had uh, Remy Gard taking over uh, Aston Villa. That was confirmed on Monday. Good now, news. he was obviously the former Lyon manager. He was there for three seasons, I believe. Um, won the yep. French Cup. So, I mean, what, what do you make of that appointment? Do you think this is an, uh, an upgrade on uh, on old Tiger Team Sherwood, Dave? It's 100% an upgrade. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. Sure. So, Remy was, I think he was the assistant under Julier. Um, he yeah. was before that. I think he worked a lot at the Lyon youth team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically he brought the likes of Samuel Mtiti, Lacazette. Um, I think Dulalon might have come through under well, w- when he was at the club. So basically, he's very good at bringing youth through. And the, the Lyon side that he built was a very youthful side. You know, bringing all these players through at the same sort of time. Lacazette apparently was a wing back when um, Remy started, and, and that now he's obviously one of the best wow. strikers in world football. Breaking news: Amberlex have just scored. Um, but yeah, it, I, th- I think it's a very positive move. Um, Villa have got a lot of French players, obviously. Amvi, who's looked really good. Jordan, um, Ayou, um, Vivcott. You know, this, he could really bring it all together. Uh, but it's it's going to be a really big challenge for him. An absolute massive challenge. It's Villa look mir- really... He's going to have to be a miracle worker. Really he is going to have to be a miracle worker. I feel it's sort of like how when... Um, when what's it, Solskjaer took over at Cardiff. I thought you meant thinking, walking in water. Everyone was thinking, what are you doing, Ollie? Like this is this is mantle. You, you're doing, um, you know, you did a really good job at Mould, um, and now you're going and was it Vincent Tan? You know, the absolute a bit a bit of a nutter in terms of a chairman. You'd want something that's a little bit more stable than that um, for a manager like him. Similar with Remy, I feel that it's it's going to be. People may judge him, but what we all judge people, I suppose. So it's going to be. A, hopefully, he does well. I really want to see him succeed, and I want to kind of see this Villa side succeed because I really do think it's got potential. It's a tough job, isn't it, Lawrence? Because as we're sort of alluding to there, this is a club that a few seasons ago uh, under Martin O'Neill, uh, most prominently, were sort of aiming for that that top five, six finish. They were sort of aiming to be among yeah, the, the champions and Everton's. Yeah, but yeah. They, they were and aiming even, to even looking of, to challenge Liverpool. Yeah, um, uh, now obviously that's fallen away because the, well, you know the owners and uh, the the people that run the club perhaps didn't want to invest as much money as they had been. They weren't seeing the results that they wanted. And now they're sort of in a difficult position where they are a big club, but the last few seasons they have been scrapping to avoid relegation. Well, I mean, they're an institution, aren't they, in that sense, that um, especially within the Midlands, I think. And I think, that, I mean, the big thing was they took the gamble 
on Martin O'Neill assembling a squad that then would stay together and would go on to win things and would attract other players to want to play there. But I think that's part of the problem is that it's very difficult to always get um, big names to want to go and play under managers who, mm-hmm. or to go and play for clubs where even the guys who came through and are English want to move on elsewhere. And I, what I wonder is, was it just, uh, I think, I think Lerner's long-term goal was to sell the club on and it just never reached that critical selling mass that he wanted it to reach. Um, and had he, like, for instance, he put this investment into the squad and investment into those other things so that it would give them the prominence of, well, you're buying an European club here, you're buying a club here is building for the future. You can, you know, give me however much money I need and, and I'll be off. You guys continue this. Um, and I just don't think that ever happened. And I think for that reason, Villa fans have got to sort of stitched up a little bit because the business has got in the way of what happened on the field. Um, and what happens on the field now is pretty, too depressing. You would also hope, though, that the, the players who were behind, 100% behind uh, Sherwood, because there are a few apparently in the dressing room, will now also get behind guard. Elsewhere this week, we also had the, the shocking news that Cristiano Ronaldo believes he is the best player in the world. Obviously, there's a new <laughs> biography coming out about Ronaldo from uh, from your old chum, Lawrence and Balagay. Oh. Uh, there's also the movie about yeah. the documentary about Ronaldo's life coming yeah. out on Made Monday. By him. So he's doing a few <laughs> interviews, Ronaldo's doing a few interviews, and he's come out, Lawrence, and he's sort of said, I'm the best in the world. I'm he's come out. Ronaldo. Oh, my God. That's amazing. He's come out oh. and said, I am the best. Yeah. Now, is that two separate statements or? Does this speak to the problem a lot of people have with Ronaldo in that? No. Yes, he is. The best. <laughs> he but is, when he says he it. He is incredible. That's... But when he says it and says, I'm a legend in the history of football, he makes himself very unlikable. Did he say he's a legend? He said, I don't need to say, in the history of football, I'm a legend. The yeah. numbers say everything, is what he said. Right. Well, you don't need to say it then, do you? <laughs> but he did. <laughs> and yeah, he did. Well, don't say it then. But um, So apparently, this movie, obviously, I haven't seen the movie myself, but from all the reviews that are coming out and the... the best the, in the history of movies. The observations <laughs> that are coming out. But that's what the reviews say. The reviews don't need to say it, though, do they? The best the line, there was a great line in The Guardian review that basically said, you know, the impression you get from this movie is that Cristiano Ronaldo shouts out his own name during sex. That's how much he is in love with himself. <laughs> it's just... Obviously, him and Messi are the best two players in the world right now. Obviously, they're going to be compared when they're they're on that extra level. But I just feel like Ronaldo makes himself so unlikable in his attitude. What if he just even if he didn't believe it, if he showed some humility and sort of said, you know, oh, it's not for me to say where I'm the best in the world. I just want to do the best. Well, do you know what I mean? There's, under, there's underlying parts of that, is it not? That he wants publicity right now because his movie's just coming out. So he needs people to watch his I, movie. To make, I see what you're saying, is, but I don't it, think it's... It a, feels like somebody's told him to do that because, quite frankly, I you, you should No PR is bad PR, day, but also at the same time... I don't think that is a PR know, move by does, Ronaldo. That is actually what he genuinely yeah, no, Well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you're interviewed by someone and you know they ask you a question you're going to have to answer it but i guess what you're saying is you can answer with more humility in your exactly. answer uh, sure he's probably he probably is the best player in the world right now because uh, messi's injured but um, <laughs> at the same time <laughs> uh, <laughs> i love the i love the idea of you interviewed <laughs> and you're going is do you think you're the best player in the world and he goes well i don't want to say and you go it's bamming hang in it bamming hang mate <laughs> <laughs> and it's what, just his face when you go yeah this interview's oh, yeah. over. So. You don't, you, the thing is, you don't even need to say it. You just, your face says it all, isn't it? It's about me. 
Yeah, I just feel like we had, we had a. It's uh, Lewandowski. Hey, he's taking the piss. Just saying. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I feel like um, it's going to be very interesting watching that movie, and I think we we should maybe go and see. Want to go and see season three? Yeah, I think we should because I think it'd be great fun. I think it's going to be hilarious. Instant reaction. Well, I mean, I I'm going to be excited. I I want to I want to see what it's like. I, I obviously, documentary making in the first place is one of my loves, and I think it will be interesting um to see a documentary that's uh, you always think uh, you almost don't want to go and see the documentary that's endorsed by the people it's about yeah because Jeremy, you want to see the warts and all, you want to see the the bad side of them you want to get a, a complete uh you know picture. view of their character yeah the complete picture but i feel like exactly. this but, is I mean, just going to show his massive time. ego well yeah exactly and then who's sponsoring it and yeah. you know everyone's got their interest that's what we were talking about with this wayne rooney documentary is the you know, oh, Wayne, is it difficult being you? Yeah, it's difficult being me. Okay, thanks, Wayne. And yeah. next week, we'll find out about how difficult it is to be a modern-day footballer. Yeah, great <laughs> insight. And it's it's uh, it's dressing up as entertainment and insight, isn't I it? I feel like it, I'm hoping, from, from what I've read, it's going to give, it's going to give not necessarily a positive insight from our perspective, maybe from Ronaldo's perspective he believed it was sort of positive you know look how great i am so apparently in the movie uh, a lot of it's about his obsession with winning the ballon d'or you know it's given more uh prominence than than winning the decima or anything like that yeah so yeah, that, i mean that's in the it, cut though it's isn't his it? main, so main drive yeah but know. that's all in the cut though isn't it i mean you know it, course, yeah of course but i mean you can only <laughs> at the same time I see what you're going to say here, but at the same time, you know, Michael Jordan was uh, always believed that he would be remembered as, you know, the, the greatest of all time. Um, I, think, and, I think Ronaldo's you know, attitude, I think yeah, his attitude is why he is the greatest. Kobe Bryant's you know I mean? got a bit of attitude. That's what I, I mean. That's, that's a... why I think he's the greatest because of that, that attitude. That's what drives these sportsmen you're mentioning as well as Ronaldo to these heights, this all-encompassing, you know, need to be the best. Uh, yeah. At the same time, a little bit of humility goes a long way. And I Ronaldo rarely shows English it. Thing there, isn't it? It's such an English thing Maybe. to be like, well, just I mean, be a little bit humble there, mate. Don't. <laughs> or you go, well, it's a Bamiyang, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Bamiyang, <laughs> mate. Yeah, um, every question now. In other news, yeah. more shocking news, I'd say. Karim Benzema is making headlines, Lawrence. Mm. Why? Why? Because he's not in the France squad, Adam. N- not just that, Lawrence. All oh, right, okay. What? Karim Benzema seems to have been placed under investigation. Yeah. In a sex tape blackmail case. All right. No. It's not yeah. been proven, but he is yeah. under formal investigation. Yeah. So, so he, we're he has admitted. The one with kid gloves, right, guys? Yeah. He has, it's, a, it's an ongoing investigation. He has admitted yeah. certain to... things. So if you haven't heard about this, essentially the situation allegedly, some sex reportedly, happened. maybe, um, some sex, sex happened between a, a senior member of the France squad who may or may not be Matthew Verbuena. Yeah. And what happened was somehow, someone filmed this on a phone. Yeah. Who knows who? Like we've all done. You know, we've all been. <laughs> we've all had a bit of fun with our uh, eyes, haven't we? But <laughs> the stabiliser on that is fantastic. Somehow, three blackmailers got hold of this footage. They were in possession of the sex tape. Not only that, Adam, but they were famous blackmailers. They, they may or may not have been in the entourage of uh, some famous footballers. These blackmailers. So what apparently has happened is that Karim Benzema was sort of almost the middle middleman between these blackmailers and Matthew Valbuena. So for whatever reason, the blackmailers who had hold of the, the possession of this sex tape, they knew a childhood friend of, of Karim Benzema 
who spoke to Karim Benzema and said, can you, t can you speak to Mathieu Valbuena and, you know, maybe just explain the situation to Valbuena? So what <laughs> Benzema has admitted that what he agreed on behalf of his childhood friend to say to Valbuena that maybe he should negotiate with these with these blackmailers, and obviously these are these That's allegations. On, these allegations, as you say, it hasn't been proven, but this is yeah. what the the, the prosecutors uh, are telling. This is what's sort of coming out right now. Obviously, yeah. he hasn't been charged yet. No, great, he's under investigation, but this just seems like a, it seems like a pretty bizarre situation we're in, Dave. To have this. He's mental. <laughs> Apparently, um, he's also been sorry. He's been reported to be named in a massive drug trafficking case between no, France and the Dom Dominican Republic. Air cocaine. Close friend of Karen Benzema is the main suspect. Obviously, these are all reports, and we cannot, you know, they are reports at the end of the day. But it just seems mental, doesn't it? What, what's he? What's Benzema playing at? Is that yeah, one right. of the best clubs in the world? If you're going to name an airline anything, don't call it air cocaine. That gives you away. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, guys. It's um, passenger call at gate three hundred three. Air cocaine flight from France to the Dominican Republic. It just goes. It just goes mm, the next flight is. Um, oh fuck! I forgot my passport. Sorry, guys. I'm furious. Best quiet. Right. Everyone on the fucking plane. We're going to Dominican. So obviously Benzema could be, uh, you know, the club have come out with a statement saying you know they believe Benzema is completely innocent. But it's not like it's not looking great for him. Whether or not he was, you know, he he's going to be found guilty of being part of the conspiracy to blackmail. He certainly seems to be involved with these characters, and it's not not the greatest reflection upon him, perhaps. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of judgment there, isn't there? I suppose the, there the was quite a lot of judgment. Yeah, it's it's, on, it's ongoing. You've also got to say, you know, uh, when you say a childhood friend, you don't get to choose where you grow up. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't go, no. you don't go to your parents and go. I'm not happy here. I'm not happy in this suburb where there's a lot of dodgy characters. But um, I'm not of... happy in this inner city area where there's a lot of dodgy characters. They go, well, fucking shut up. We're trying to do the best for you. But last night, he spent the night in jail apparently, yeah. and those are to do with decisions he's made in the in the in in the recent history. Mm. Yeah. So whether or where wherever he grew up, where he did or not, he's obviously involved in some negative way is what yeah I'm all i'm saying is yeah well i'm it would be a, it would be a big surprise if a multi-millionaire got off a uh, got off of having um I mean, jail time. but yeah. what would be um interesting is seeing how it also affects the relationships within the france squad and you also sort of think <laughs> yeah. well um because both, i think both of them have been dropped from the squad haven't they Apparently yes, they yes, used they to bully Valbuena. Apparently Nazari, uh, ben, Benzema, and Ribery used to bully him for being five three. Even though I think, oh, like what man. I think, um, Ribery's like one inch taller than him or something like that. So this Paul Paul Valbuena, you know, leading chance creator in in the Champions League this season, is getting bullied by these, you know, well, three players. It's not the first um, scandal Benzema's been involved in. Do you remember the uh, yeah the, the underage prostitute? Yes. In the uh, end, that wasn't the, proven. In the end, the charges were dropped. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, dropped. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just we just dropped the charges. Anyway, it's got me thinking. I just wanted your very quick thoughts, right? Yeah. Biggest sex scandal. Biggest scandal in football. Yeah, Ryan history. Giggs fucking his 
brother's sister, uh, brother's girlfriend. It's definitely that, isn't it? Someone yeah. tried to tell me that it was Wayne well, Bridge and John, John Terry. Yeah, Wayne Bridge and John Terry. It's well, I feel like Wayne. No, Wayne, I feel like Ryan Giggs doing it, cheating on his own wife with his yeah, brother's not, wife for I ten years is in is mental. That is, doing, uh, yeah. Pretty, but I mean, they're doing it there, and there was a lot of. I mean. Uh, from a jokey side of things here, there was a lot of passive aggression in the interview they did with the wife for the Salford FC documentary, where she sort of goes, he'd drive me mental if he was at home all day. And you're like, yeah, well, I, I, don't think, I don't think if he had the time off, he'd be at home all day. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess uh, w- the difference with Wayne Bridge was that it wasn't Wayne Bridge's wife. Um, it was, it, I mean, God, we're grading who had a worse affair here. Which oh, is, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, was... What have we become? Episode 30 <laughs> yeah. and well, that's it. It's over. We the hit that's what is interesting. Someone tried to tell me, you know, that uh, the, the John Terry situation is hilarious. Uh, probably not for the people involved, but um, on the outside, it is certainly. But on that note, gentlemen, shall we move on to the questions? Before we get into the questions, comment of the week, which I, I neglected to, to announce at the top of the show, has to come from Preston who said, guys, episode 30, he said, thanks for seven months of the best pod around increasing my quality of life weekly. Hashtag I am the whole. Wow. Preston, I mean, I'm I'm glad we could have some small... The city of Preston, we thank you. you. Yeah, I mean... We uh, thank you, Preston. Do we get the keys to the city? uh, Preston even fucking city. (laughs) Must be in in the post or something. Maybe it's Preston Town. Sorry, guys. Um, But as for the questions themselves... Question one, guys, is from Eddie Mann. City. Xbox killer on Twitter. Who will finish higher, the normal one or the special one? Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. I'm going to say say the normal one. I'm I'm defeated so far for Liverpool. Should we write write our answers down in an envelope and then open them at the end of the season? Um, Ooh. (laughs) I mean, I could just say them. I don't have to write them down. Yeah, all right, I'll say them. I think normal one. Normal one. Special one. Oh, well, I d- the thing is, what I'm, we're currently questioning is whether the special one will finish at all. Ooh. Ooh. That's what that she point. said. Marco Fabian says, an inexpensive... Yes, got kids. <laughs> an expensive... An inexpensive, good atmosphere, football ground to see a match. My first yep. time watching English football this winter near London. Near London. Uh, inexpensive. I mean, what, what what do you class as inexpensive? I mean, are, are we talking Premier League for pa- one? Because yeah, talking... if you're talking Premier League, Crystal Palace every time. Mm, every time. Um, if you're talking non-league and you want a great atmosphere, um, some good food at half time, you want friendly people, mm. Spaniards, locals, people from all mm. over the world. Uh, you know, you want to have a beer at half time. You want to speak with the locals. Then go to Biggles Wage United. You went a bit Dutch there, but. Um... Dulwich Hamlets, they are also Biggles Wade, right? <laughs> also in the lower leagues. That's three different football experiences there because Dulwich are also a fairly recently put together team full of mm. people who support other sides. So you'll have different kind of conversations wherever you go. Charlton's good fun as well, actually. They put a five pound yeah. match on every, every year. Yeah. Got a new oh. manager. The Valley's not all that fun to get to, though. So. Nah, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's no, fun. it's pretty fucking depressing going to the valley. <laughs> Marco, if you if you're coming over, let us know. We'll uh, we'll all we'll all head to Biggles Wade. We'll all head to Biggles Wade for a for a match to get yeah, to have a bite. I'm yeah, I'm in. Have a bite. I'm in. Yeah, uh, are good. Next question is from the main man, Varun Joshi. 
always send it in. My man. He said, uh, out of the three of you, who's the best at football? <laughs> <laughs> and what position do you play? Good question. Well, let's put this way. This week we found out I do not play left wing. You do not play left wing. It's, it's been said. We had a little uh, Football Republic 11 aside game. Uh, True Geordie himself, the main man, was the manager. Lawrence was on the left wing. Perhaps there is a, a another position that you're better suited. No, to. I, mean, I mean, I'd say it was a game where the wingers were quite isolated, um, and uh, you know, playing alongside such wonderful players as Rohan Ricketts, uh, I, yes. I let the quality players have the ball. Um, yes. Unselfish. I'm very much a com- I'm, what I do is uh, I like five aside. Uh, I know my level, and it's not professional. Mm. But I wouldn't say any of us on the podcast are bad players. We've all got no. we've all got qualities. I think. Yes, uh, within the game, and uh, you know, Dave was saying he was tackled in university, and he's never been the same since. No, never the same. That was tragic. Like, that was chasing eggs, that instead of chasing footballs. Yeah, rugby. Dave, you're you're, you're a centre back like myself. Chasing you eggs. I'm, I think I'm versatile on the five side pitch. I don't know. Sometimes I just go, you know, walk, waltzing around. But yeah, I'd say we have. We've we've been playing five side together the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah. We should do it again. I think we've got a decent. I think you know we are. We're not well beaters by any stretch of imagination, no. but we're, we're, we're good players, I'd say. I don't, we're an asset to any team. I think the I thing is, if you come up against really good players, like this was the difference. Like Ryan Ricketts. And I, that's the thing is, I kind of realised this when we were playing for the Football Republic and we had Rohan Ricketts playing in midfield. He just glided past people. He was just a different class. He, gl- he glowed past people. <laughs> former former pro, former Tottenham player. I think player. he is still a pro, Ryan mate, Ricketts. but yeah. Yeah. We made, I made that mistake yeah. oh, <laughs> to his face. So did True Geordie. Um, um, but he's a lovely guy, really lovely guy. And, you know, he's uh, all over London, so go and say hello. Nicola F has said uh, Ozil or Ericsson. Hashtag I am the whole. Uh, Ozil. Um, Thanks. Yeah, Ozil is currently on incredible form and is undoubtedly a world-class player. Ericsson may one day be at a level. Obviously a very good player, but he's not quite at Ozil's level yet. That's yeah, it. Ozil was fantastic against Bayern. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, similarly, uh, comparing players, uh, Richard has said, "Who's better, Nathan Redmond or Memphis Depay?" Ooh, uh, <laughs> Dave? Memphis Depay. Yeah, he's got yeah. Pain, isn't he? Probably. Yeah. Uh, Will Meller says, "Favorites to finish fourth this season." Dave, give me your top four that you think is going to be finished uh, uh, in the, order. The way it's going to finish this season. Order. Yeah. Um, City, do. Arsenal, yeah. United, Watch. Liverpool. Bam. Thank you. City, Arsenal, United, Liverpool. Dave. Arsenal, City, United, Chelsea. <laughs> Way, Dave. Out. Did you say Arsenal first? There? Yes, I did. My God, man. I can't work um, out which one Adam's less happy with. He's either really miserable think... Arsenal have won the league or Liverpool finished in fourth. <laughs> yeah, they're both bad. I think uh, you guys, are, you've, you've got it all wrong there. It's obviously going to be City, Arsenal. Yeah, the City of Arsenal. <laughs> Liverpool, Tottenham. Oh, I've gone. Back off, bro. Did, did you do that just to spite Dave? <laughs> you, no, you just I didn't. did me there, pal. I don't think. I think we've seen Jurgen Klopp's methods working straight away at Liverpool. He's had an impact. Van Hal's methods aren't working after a season and a half. So that's my logic. Right? New manager. So oh, what if it's new manager? let's let's see who wins that one. All different. All different. Predictions. All different. Yeah. I think we'll all be wrong. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um, Next question. This is a good question uh, from the, the, question. the big man Finbar. Yeah. Finbar, Finbar McMahon. He says, "Other, other than the previous five winners, yeah. who do you think will be the sixth winner of the champ uh, of the Premier League?" Sorry, we've only had five clubs ever win the Premier League. Who will be that sixth team? I think it'll be Blackburn Rovers. Oh no! Wait a minute. Um, 
Yeah. Tottenham. I reckon Harry Kane is going to lift the trophy at the age of 30 oh, at Spurs' new 61,000-seater stadium. Yeah. And Clinton G well, is going to be Jürgen... celebrating with him. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp said he would win it. Well, he said title. We don't know if he meant Premier League title or just general. Yeah, uh, uh, guys, so the, tra- the translation meant... of German means trophy. Yeah. Not, guys, not title. I-, I meant the Carling Cup. <laughs> <laughs> guys, yeah. This is what I was talking about when he lifts the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> The Carling Cup in two years' time. Um, I think, um, yeah, I guess Liverpool or Tottenham are the most likely candidates. Most likely, yeah, and the the ones with the most um, the ones with the most the, the the most potential to do so. But then we had this debate not long ago. Although Liverpool we did, and Rodgers as the manager there. If only I'd said during that debate, if Jurgen Klopp comes to the club, um, then it would be Liverpool. Um, I think. Uh, it's, well, yeah, it's, that is, I'm just going to say Spurs because I mean it's 50-50 for me and I'll, I'll be biased and say Spurs ok fair enough next question uh, thoughts on Gerard coming back to Liverpool on loan in January never going to happen see you later Bruce Arena came out and said he, he sort of laughed that off the LA Galaxy coach Orc. but it does look like maybe he'll be back in the not too distant future in a coaching role perhaps you know I'm not sure I want him back in the coaching role he's a nice guy wow uh, you, you wouldn't want club legend and icon Stephen Gerrard back at the club in a coaching role. Maybe I'd like him in a... In a, It depends what coaching role and depends what level and how significant a role he plays. Um, I would, for instance, not immediately as assistant manager. I want to see... And I don't think that would probably happen on the club. Um, but I'd love to... Mm, I'd, love to see, I'd love to see him back. I'm not sure in which capacity. That's all. See you later. I like it. Nice guy. This is a great question from Hanzala Abassi. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Would you rather be the best player in an average team or an average player in a great team? Uh, Well, I think I've already Mm. accepted the reality that I will one day be an average player in a great team. I mean, in many ways. This, my train of thought here. Would you rather Ronaldo or Gary Neville? Yeah. Whoa, lads! No, uh, no, Dave, Gary, well, Dave. Dave, Dave, what's your answer? Best player in an average team or average player in a great team? It depends what, because my favourite type of player in world football is the water carrier. So I'd like to be an average player in a great team, but like a Rakitic, someone that just glues it all together. Darren Fletcher in his prime. I'd, that would be me. Um, I think I'd rather be an average player in a great team. I'm happy with that. This also this, this brings me on to one of my questions. Maybe I've talked about it before, but this always reminds me of Robin Van Persie. Yeah. Right. He is not Robin Van Persie went he went to Manchester United and won the title. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. He'd be a great player on average team. But if he'd have stayed at Arsenal, he may not have won the title. You know, he, he, if he'd have stayed, they might have won the FA Cups as they, as they did without him. But he, he would have been loved potentially mm. by the Arsenal okay. fans. Mm. Now he's not loved by Arsenal fans. Mm. I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but Man United fans treat Robin Pam Percy with a certain indifference. Yes, he was the guy who who scored a hell of a lot of goals and fired them to that Premier League title, but I don't think he's revered as a as a Ruud van Nistelrooy or, you know, one of the uh, one of United's great strikers. Am I yeah. wrong in saying that? I just feel with um RVP it's a bit unfair that obviously he did kind of get ousted out of the club in a way. You know, it wasn't a nice way to go. And I feel that I'd rather have had Van Persie, I said at the start of the season, rather have Van Persie playing up front instead of Wayne Rooney. So I still feel Van Persie has still got something to offer at that level. Whereas but Wayne would Rooney. You... Sorry, would you. Go on. Would you rather stay at a club and win nothing but be a club hero, be loved by the fans, or would you rather leave, go to a bigger club and win maybe a Premier League title, win a significant trophy but not have any real affection from that club's fan base or the previous fan base so I'd rather have the aff- yeah rather have affiliation with the club that's what you'd rather have wouldn't you um, but another Love. thing imagine, yeah. imagine if Robin Van Persie had stayed at Arsenal imagine their team right now so you'd have RVP up front Meza Ozil on one side maybe Sanchez on the other and so forth yeah you might not exactly yeah but it could be an interesting proposition if it had happened Pizball his ball on Twitter says, is David Alaba now the most versatile player in world football? He is very versatile, uh, especially for Austria. That goal, I mean, the, he can hit a ball, he can defend, he can cross, he can play, he's probably playing in a lot of different sort of positions. Especially for Austria. Team. Um, uh, he's a huge reason of why um, how, why uh, the, 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 the Austrian side has qualified for the Euros. Um yeah because of his versatility as well, because of where he plays for them. Um, and I think, I'd imagine there are a lot of players who look up to him. Um, not, is he the most versatile in the world? That's the, que- that's the question, isn't it? Uh, Who's more versatile? I, uh, there's maybe one and two Argentinians that I'd imagine will be more versatile. I'd maybe put, I suppose Mascherano can't score the goals, can he? Um, Busquets? Is he um, pretty... This no, Thiago. He's, he's just a, it's just a DM, isn't he? Thiago is just a probably you know you can say central midfield attacker. I think with Alaba, in a way, his, his versatility's hurt him in the last probably. Maybe I don't know if it's hurt him, but I don't really like Alaba at centre back. I don't think he's that good at centre back. I think he is the, one of the best left backs in world football, and he will become a very very good central midfielder. But at the moment, if he's being played centre back sometimes and so forth, I just think he's got to play left back at the moment because he's so good at that. Mm. Here's a his what well, I think is going to have to be the final question this week, unfortunately. And I like it a lot. I like this question. I like it. Stockton on Twitter says, hashtag I'm the whole, how did you free meet? Now, Lawrence, I remember Ooh. when I used to be on Football Daily, yeah. I got in it? touch with Marcus Speller, the host of a podcast I like called The Football Ramble. I was like, you should come and do some stuff on Football Daily. That'd be good fun. One week, we're short of a guest. Marcus goes, I know someone, my mate Lawrence. Bam. He can come down and, and, you know, be the guest this week. And I was like, all right, fair enough. You stroll in, 
pretty decent. I was like, awkward looking, skinny little kid. I'll get skinny little kid. I thought uh, I'll give this kid the shot he deserves. You know? <laughs> and it was so good. He's, so good. If <laughs> he's he's down on his luck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> look at the clothes he's wearing. <laughs> who could, who would dress like that? He's not wearing any self-respect or money. He's not wearing any socks of his shoes. You know, still doesn't <laughs> to this day. Just... But I mean, I thought I'll give him, a, I'll give him a shot. That's more of a family <laughs> thing. Uh, now. I can't believe I had to go at my, my tradition. Um, and, then, and there we have it that was that and we've he been friends ever since week, the next week and then we got to... <laughs> Dave I don't actually remember the first time I met you I don't remember so. either what's Squawker happened? someone said Dave I just popped out met... a bin and went Squawker is one of the leading sports <laughs> in England yeah <laughs> out from some corner just out of nowhere <laughs> literally like we're on Sesame Street he's like what are numbers Adam and and then Dave just popped up and went I know numbers <laughs> one to ten just every now and then, I just um, I'd say things to my mates. I'd be like, "Oh, you know, I wonder how many passes you know Harry Kane completed in that match." And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, <laughs> just pop out Dave the pops out. <laughs> well, Dave, Harry Kane completed thirty-three out of an attempted forty-four passes. You know, and I, I thought this guy, I've got to give him a shot as well. He's down on his luck. He's he's, <laughs> he's reeling off stats. I thought I've got to get him on the daily. He's been Those in so many bins this last week. I don't even know what you know. He's ever shot. I think that. <laughs> That must have been when we first met. Though. I think it was uh, on the daily. I was like, oh, "I'll try and get, um, I'll try and get this stats guy on." He sounds like he knows what he's talking he about. He said, "We've got a point on the show. coming down this week, guys." Someone who probably got it's bullied nerd. at school. We said, "Don't talk about <laughs> Marcus like that." And we and then we realized it was Dave. <laughs> it was Dave. Yeah, but I think that's it. I think it was all uh, football day. All those people have been hard on their down on their luck, Adam. All those mm. people you've given all those chances to Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, I mean, all the people I mean, down on their luck. I'm selfless. I'm selfless. Yeah, true, Geordie. But that is the uh, that is the last question this week because unfortunately, we run out of time. We want to try and make these podcasts an hour. Yeah. How long is this? But what what we've talked about doing um, is doing two podcasts a week. One would be a one hour uh, news roundup. You know, we'd sort of get through our talking points and sort of, you know, discuss all the main talking points in the world of football. Yeah. And the second podcast would be dedicated to all of your questions because for me, I love answering. The I love questions. answering I love the questions. hearing but you guys chip you, in. Yeah. But we yeah. don't we don't have enough time to because there's so many good questions this week that we just cannot get. But through. don't worry, guys, so we let, won't get paid more for it. You'll just get the same amount for free. So don't worry. Exactly. About that, all right. We've not exactly. sold out. So. All right. Let us know if you think that is a good idea. Tweet us at the front three if you so wish. But I think from next week, because there's so many good questions coming in every week now that we can't quite squeeze in, we might start doing um, an extra you know, Q&A special every week. So let us know if you think that's a good idea. We'll, we'll probably start doing it next week. That's but for now, you, week... you want us to replace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what day you want it to come out yeah. even? you know, is it, is it Fridays? Is it a Friday? Wednesday and a Friday thing? Is it a, a Wednesday and a, a Saturday thing? I, I don't know. Well, imagine yeah, that podcast know. on a Saturday morning. Ooh. Yeah, you're pre, you're pre match. I love, I do like. I've got to admit, one thing podcast. I do love, I love Spencer FC, and to be honest, I love his whole family. Um, but it, it, oh, but sorry. the the thing with him is, he does really good things just as matches are finishing. And I think, mm. yeah, I've not quite had my fill yet. I will go and uh, watch some of you know Spencer picking an ultimate team or blah blah blah. So maybe we'll do that, or maybe guys, he we is... should start doing Twitch. Here's what, well, I mean, that's, uh, that's a potential. Here's one thing that I think it will help define maybe what, what day the podcast, the Q&A podcast comes out, the, the the time it comes out. If you're listening right now, I want you to tweet us at the front three and tell us where, 
when and how you listen to the podcast. You listen to it in the car as you're driving around. Are you listening to it on the way to work, on the way to school? Are you listening to it? We've had before people say they listen to it while they're playing FIFA. I mean, I'd be very interested to see when and where people are listening to it. So we could sort of maybe get that Q&A podcast out at the perfect time. Maybe you listen to it post-coitus. That'd be a lovely. I mean, I know I do. You, if I you think you're it yet, yeah. uh, <laughs> you enjoyed that, love. Listen to me this week. <laughs> oh, listen to that. Light open up, and we'll just sit back and listen to me talk. <laughs> on that note, Lawrence, we have to move on to the one and only talking yeah. point this week, and yeah. it's a big one. It is a big one. We are going to talk about football fan channels. Now, for those of you who don't know, what I do for my job is I work on a football fan channel. That channel is called the Football Republic. It's not a club-specific fan channel, but it is a it's an all it's a, it's a channel for the fans. Of which Lawrence, you not occasionally enough, some people say. appear. Once, twice, once, too many twice, times. Some people say, times, yeah, too many times. Someone say, but you appear once, twice, three times a week. You're on there, Dave. You're on there as well as a, as a guest regularly. But Enough. this 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 channel is set up by a company called Shot Glass Media. They're a, they're a production company here in the UK, and they also operate. They also run a few other fan channels, for example, Spurred On. Which is a, a Tottenham fan channel, obviously. Uh, Full time Devils got Blooming Rising TV, uh, and you've also got. Yep, can't believe you've got Chelsea. All right. Let's put this way. This is this is also let's put this way. This conversation is going to have to cre- tread maybe the most incredible line ever, um, because we work with these people on a daily yes, basis, but also working for these people. There are. It's almost a bit like you know when the magician goes. No, I'm just waving my hands, guys. It's not. It's not really magic. This I'm, I'm just trying to lay, lay the groundwork in terms of that's the, the, the situation. There's those fan channels there. You also have Arsenal Fan TV. You also have uh, Redman TV. These were the, the two main it's channels like that have been Street. established for a number of years now. So you've also got, yeah, Ball Street is another uh, sort of fan channel, sort of a network that's, uh, that's cropped up. So a lot of these channels have cropped up in the last few years is what I'm saying. You know, perhaps the original... It was either Arsenal fan TV or Redmen TV. I, I think, think it was, was Red. I think it was Redmen. One or the other. Um, and, and, they, and not Red. only that, but they okay. have a subscription so based from, service, which I don't believe any other fan channel has. Yeah, they do exclusive content on their website, I believe, and uh, you yeah. can sort of pay for extra videos and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, I've got to admit, is worth the money for the month that you get. There you have it. But there's a lot of different fan channels cropping up right now. I'm not sure if you're listening to which of those you you watch or if you enjoy them, but so many have cropped up now, and they're having more prominence and they're having more you know views and all this sort of stuff that there's becoming a reaction to them they're they're reaching the wider audience i would say mm. so there's been this article lawrence hasn't there on the setpieces.com which is a, a website set up by ian mcintosh who's a, a freelance journalist and there's been a somewhat controversial article that's come out the sort of discussing fan channels how would you maybe sum up what the author uh, Seb oh, Stafford Moore Bloor, sorry, Seb Stafford Bloor. What? How would you sort of sum up what his his opinion is on football fan channels on YouTube? His last name is Onomatopoeic. Um, I would say that this article, this article is 
how do we politically put this? This article, uh, which, by the way, we should put in the description for the podcast mm. so people can go read it themselves and have their own opinions on this. Mm. Seb basically wrote an article which is interesting because it explores the idea that somehow fan channels were in the middle, in the, in the beginning, set up with the idea of giving fans a voice and giving them a place to air their views, which, by the way, they did already have. There were other places they would air their views, mm. you know, uh, network, there'll be forums, all those kind of things very often at the game, very often people would speak by word of mouth. Um, and there was Twitter in place like that. Uh, maybe maybe not in the beginning of fan channels, but it was less so. Um, and now he, what he's saying is that as the landscape begins to change, we see an evolution or uh, a metamorphosis, if you like, which would not imply it was positive or negative, and a change in the way that the fan channels are seen and the way they begin to present themselves as they begin to want to make money, to make it a more sustainable business venture for themselves. Um, and he's, he's worried and I'd say somewhat critical of the way that some people are beginning to want to make money from these things or wanting to turn them into more than just fans saying what they want, um, which some people were questioning in the first place, you know, should, should, would a good, would a good fan just represent such a small number of people? And I guess that's the problem. That's the question over, I think any first year university students, um, what any of their kind of their early um, seminars, if you like, after the, the the lectures are is media fair? Is it a fair landscape? Is it somewhere where everyone has an equal voice? Is it somewhere where people won't be exploited? If you begin to exchange money for your views, are you exploiting yourself? Are you exploiting the people around you? Is it a fair trade? Are you paid enough for your views, or are you paid too much sometimes for your views? Do people, you know, where does value come from? And that's, I think, what Seb has begun to explore in his article. And I, I, to be honest, I think I've probably given him too much credit there because my first reaction was, this is slightly lazy journalism. There are no quotes. There's no statement of stats. Mm. There's no, uh, there doesn't seem to be any well, question. Although, there's... having spoken to Arsenal Fan TV, one guy there did say they were asked for a quote. Um, now, I don't know if he's reached out to other people. I don't know if he's reached out to other well, people. Well, I should say there's, there's two... Essentially, what uh, Seb in the article tries to set out that he's he's trying to say that the concept of fan channels, that you know, a fan sets up a, a channel or a, a place where he can be heard, it's turned into something ugly. So there's two there's two I, I, I think parts. That, to it. That's problematic in itself, though. I yeah, think, because what 100%. what Seb's then saying is that Seb is giving Seb's giving his own definition of authenticity yes. and then measuring other things against his own definition of authenticity. But the first the first criticism he has is he's he's talking specifically about Arsenal fan TV and he said yes. that as opposed to this is the quote, he says, rather than offering a true depiction of fan Sorry, there's just someone having a massive fight outside my window with fireworks. Brilliant. It is fireworks now by the way, see that that's probably you will hear a bit of that through the podcast. That's authenticity for you. There you go. But what Seb said in his article is that rather than offering a true depiction of fan culture uh, these channels now reward those with the loudest voices and the lowest levels of self-respect, less forms of self-expression than avenues for low-grade opportunity. They are becoming character creation factories. So he specifically mentioned Arsenal Fan TV. He's talking about Claude, who, of course, is, is famous for his rants on the channel. My God, those fireworks are really loud. Uh, he's also no, talking genuinely, about... <laughs> these are not authentic fireworks yeah. set up by the local council that say... Guys, this is actually a battle going on between two <laughs> in my local area. He, uh, <laughs> GTA San Andreas. Sound, this is some scary shit. It sounds bad <laughs> in the middle of our. Lawrence, uh, mate, have you got a tin out or something? Get it on. Genuinely, man. I Get am, under your table. I am just. I'm watching out my window 
there are two guys just throwing fireworks at each other. Fantastic. Speaking of which, so he's sort of talking about Claude and Ty being these personalities that are sort of put in front of the camera because we're yeah. for us to laugh at almost as opposed to laugh with yeah. or you know to simp- I don't think Claude's sorry yeah. i don't think claude's laughing no um, but we're not laugh with but to sort of come come to an understanding with you know these are these are put forward for our entertainment they're becoming it's becoming more and more absurd almost it is becoming more but although i think people um, there's an interesting podcast I listened to not long ago about expectation mm-hmm. and how expectation influences the way that people act. And I think to some extent that is, uh, you know, it, it's the role and the level of agency I think a lot of people play. And the problem is that he paints them as, uh, I mean, there's a lot of problems in his article. To some extent, he hits a lot of things on the nose. There is, a, there is an element of theatre about what is done on YouTube. It is a performance. In the same way doing a podcast is a performance. It's a form of media. Um, and it does feel a little bit, I've got to admit, sometimes I have felt uncomfortable. Dave, you've probably had the same watching an, a fan channel and you sort of, you cringe a little bit because these are fully grown men kind of who, losing it. not, yeah, losing it because, because they're passionate about, uh, maybe somebody would say they've over identified with the club mm. and maybe they put too much of their identity on, which, which again is a very fluid, very difficult concept to discuss because it means something different to everyone but essentially there's a very common idea of identity which is that uh, you know you're, you're represented by the things that you do and the things that you say and you know if you wear a certain colour you're saying you're this kind of person or you know if you wear an Arsenal shirt you're saying you're this kind of person and I think uh, you know as culture begins to change and uh, I do think it's very interesting certainly around clubs when people say well only locals should play for those clubs you start to ask the question, what is a local? Um, but that's not a whole other conversation. But the point is, um, these people, are they being exploited because of their... Because, because they don't... Uh, the problem with them is they don't appear clever enough to be able to defend themselves when the clever presenter comes mm-hmm. back with, oh, yeah, well, yes, mate, but... And, you know, then it, go, it degrades into, well, are we just goading someone? Are we, are we just poking the, the nest until the bees come out, you know? And to some extent, that's true. But then I watched a, what's it called? It's called, uh, what's the bloody fan channel? It's called, my dad literally just sent this to me saying, you'll be top lawyer, Clive O'Connell, caught on camera, calling Liverpool supporters scouse scum this week. And you think, you know what? It's not only people that are perceived to be kind of, you know, working class people. Uh, maybe that's the problem, though, is that it, it's such a multi-layered conversation that actually it's, you know, this was originally a working man's game. Um, you know, yeah. it, it was there to represent the people. Arsenal represented people. Liverpool Football Club represented people. I feel like that's uh, where the dissatisfaction... Feel like represents. That's where Seb's almost coming from, is he's saying, you know, football is a, an increasingly commercialised game where the, the common man, the common fan feels sort of alienated from it all because the, the but money... Then is... Seb... Yeah, but then, and he, but, then but then Seb, he conflates that with fans. He conflates that, he conflates that with money, mm, and he also is, he's making he's making a crucial mistake, which is that he's writing on a website, which I, I don't know if it has adverts on it or not. But he's writing on a website which is 
yeah. funded by someone who's making money from the fact that the Premier League has become so big. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, scroll, scroll to the bottom of the page. Um, you've got a free bed set, free bed section of such. It's not a bad what, thing. Uh, yeah. But you can't Doesn't take re- the picture of it what? being authentic and whatever, and then you're doing things that aren't authentic. I mean, I mean, he can, he can, because essentially you're allowed to exploit the corporate model for your own ends, and and he's done that. And and what he has also done is. Um, you know, he acknowledges that there's more to it, but mm. I, I just don't feel his article is nuanced enough. And so, yeah, I'd also say that his his accusation of basically saying shop, and you know, to some extent, he's true. There will be people at Shop Glass Media who run the accounts who aren't directly interested in football. Mm. But then my accountant isn't interested in media; he's interested in making me money. So I don't, I don't quite. What he's done is he's yeah. very. What Seb's done is he said this belongs in this compartment. This belongs in this compartment. If you stray outside of this compartment, you make it difficult for me to talk he about sort of it. Says these channels, uh, the, the the guys I work with, a shot glass. Because there's a commercial involvement, there's therefore no authenticity. The quote he uses is, you know, these channels aren't being set up by supporters who suffer the game's peaks and troughs, but by hair gelled suits who are after a quick fondle of f- football's gusset. Now, why I can. I can see where he's coming from in terms of, you know, there's executives at the company I work for who maybe see uh, a business advantage in setting up these channels. What I'd say is the guys who run uh, Spurred On, Barnaby, uh, Chelsea Fans Channel, you know, you've got Rory and Jack, full-time devils, Adam McCola, these are supporters who suffer the games being dropped. They go to every single game. They've been season ticket holders for years. So I think it's unfair to label these guys who would, they literally just love football all they do is talk about football all day and they want to make videos about their clubs and they want to talk about you know eric diving <clears> in the england squad it's unfair yeah. for him to well yeah but at the same time you'd say, say maybe, maybe he, but he's not having a go at those people he although maybe he is maybe he, he would say they've sold out but i i don't know and at the same time i don't agree with that but, but he, he sort of says would... that the thinking behind he said he says you know the people in front of these 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 channels uh, he says they're Slick, yeah, um, it's fo- people he, made to. Po- he but to some extent, passion. Adam, you have he to says admit, it's faux passion, if, yeah. But at the same time, you have to admit there is an element of well, we're going to go and do a fan cam, so we're going to ask some uh, from some questions which are going to get a reaction but, out of people. We talk, we talk about that a lot, and what they try to do is avoid that sort of thing because they don't want they from their fans from fans of the club they get a bad reaction. If they show their own fans, you know, ranting and raving, it it portrays their club's fans badly. So they yeah, try but, uh, to avoid it. Yeah, but also if you put it this way, right, there is there's there's a real problem within media at the moment, and I think this is a problem in general. All right, you want to host your videos on YouTube? Go ahead. You've just bought into the corporate mentality. Mm. You want to tweet that article? Go ahead. You've just bought into mm. the corporate mentality. You want to go on Facebook and promote your article to your mates? Go ahead. You've just sold out. Because you've you've chosen to engage within that, so there are implicit think problems within that. Yeah. And part of the problem is with with his argument is that he speaks as if the only value within this game is money, which maybe speaks more to his own um, background. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on him, but it speaks more to his own view on where he believes the power lies, which is obviously with the money. But there's implicit problems within the article. Now, someone's written a reply, which I think is a very good reply, which speaks about authenticity and where the voice comes from, and also the need to fund these kind of things and to make to mean to make it that if you want to give people a voice, then you have to give them money. You know, you have to have something yeah, to back it up. How do you run this channel? How do you sustain? Exactly. Well, the problem would be Adam. Media. That that's, that's the well. That's the problem with the globalization. Mm. Uh, that's the problem with overall those problems. Is that actually someone's going to society we live in? It's a 
well, yeah, society. But that, that is that yeah, the... but but the problem is that doesn't mean there's a tacit acceptance. Mm. I think that there's an even bigger problem here is that we as journalists and as people who make documentaries will for a very short amount of time pick something up. Dave, I'm sure that you've you've done it. Adam, I'm sure that you've done it. And I'm 100% that I've done it at some point in my own career. When I was a young journalist, I picked something up and I feel wholeheartedly passionate about it when I wrote about it. And once I've got it off my chest, I'm like, oh, well, actually, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say now. Mm. So one minute, Dave, you might be very passionate about past statistics, but the next minute you might not feel so passionate. But the problem is now the internet leaves it all out there and we are, we're all held accountable for our words, those kind of things, yeah. those big issues. It's problematic because it means that what people want to do is they read an article, then they want to put that article in the box and they say, all right, don't evolve. And the idea is constantly moving because it's on the internet. So how do you deal with that? Because you don't, you don't have control over it. So you try and control it by saying, well, this is what it is. You guys are bad guys. We're good guys. And you paint it a certain way, and that gives you an element of control. Dave, what do you think of Doesn't work. What, what the, the sort of the point that Seb ends his article on is he says this represents perhaps the final frontier of the game's monetization, the point at which everything a supporter does, thinks, or feels can be converted into cash for something else. I mean, what do you think of that? It feels like um, he's fighting a battle that's, in a way, it's already gone. Like, we live in this society that is built upon. You know this capitalism, and it is—it's working for the moment. There's potentially other theories that could go down the way, but like we sort of, like you guys touched on before, how are you supposed to run a fan channel with for no money? It doesn't work. How are you supposed yeah, to get it feels the cameras? Like he wants how are you supposed to version. do the production? He wa- yeah, he wants it doesn't work. Okay, but yeah, but put, but put it this way: the, the counter argument to that is globalization is not the only way to run the world, and there are a lot of people with counter ideas at the moment that say, you know, what we need to localize things. We need people to have a more localized okay, control. Okay, so what what that would be would be the clubs would run the channels. Well, so no, the, no, the, no, 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 no. Club uh, supporters can choose whether they want to have their voice or not, and they would run it from a fairly localized place. But then you won't have the Premier League. Yeah. You won't have it on TV. You, well, you will have it on TV, but it will be local TV. And it's a, much, it's a different kind of model. It's a model where you don't make as much money from it. And not everyone can buy in. So I can't, I can't talk about Chelsea. Well, I could, but, but I, it will be very limited, mm, et cetera, et cetera. But even people, so say if there's almost this pure version that, that Seb talks about. Say if I, big Tottenham fan, I'm just going to say out of my account, it's, you know. I'm a fan of football. Fuck Tottenham. off, mate. I'll talk about what yeah, I want. But I feel like he's... You've got to appreciate in a way that even on Twitter nowadays, there's networks, there's there's commercial ties with if you get big and if you get popular and if you want to have your voice. But you don't that, have to do that. You no, don't you, have to, you, don't, you don't. But don't I'm saying you have to recognise that that commercial, that's, that's what society is about, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. There's that, there's yeah, that I, commercial gain, there's that the, commercial the goal for everything. Well. No, you could be. If, if we make that argument, that is so flawed. No, I'm not saying that that should be the goal, but I'm saying, unfortunately, we live in a society where that is the mm, the the yeah. goal of most enterprises, especially in the well, media. Well, I mean, that's that's the assumption I think, and that's part most. of the problem is that we all operate on that basic assumption that someone wants to make money out of us, uh, or that we want to make money. I thought, well, and the, you know, the, we do. The interesting point that uh, Neil, who who I work with, shot glass, he. You're smart. He, uh, by the way, a very reputable voice and someone who has for a very long time. I think that's part of the problem is that actually the individuals who back some of these things do not get uh, recognized. Mm. And actually, you know, I imagine Neil isn't the kind of guy who wants to have his praises sung from the rooftops. 
because he does a very genuine job every day. And when you speak to him, you see him as a man who is very passionate about giving the fans a voice. I think that's the problem is that you could, you'll see him in it. You'll see it. He's a very smartly dressed guy. He dresses in, you know, uh, corporate shirts because he works in a corporate environment. But for years, since I met him from day one of editing at Copper 90, he's a man who turns around to you and says, is this going to serve the fans well? Mm. Is this representing the fans in a good way? Well, I think Does that's... this represent Norwich Football Club in the way that Norwich Football Club, not the corporate side, but the fans will want to represent that's them? What... And will they want to watch this? I feel like that's the... Not, that's not at all expressed in the article. Mm. So I feel like what Seb's article tries to get to is that he feels it's like... It's a hit piece. But he's, he's trying to say that he feels like fans are being exploited. What Neil responds to is, fans aren't paying a penny for this. It's not costing them anything. Whereas perhaps uh, the clubs themselves and football in general are the ones exploiting, I would say, fans with the, the ticket well, prices. Yeah, That's but, a bigger but, problem in the game than... Yeah, yeah but, yeah, but saying there's bigger problems is the same as saying, well, this baby has diarrhoea. Yeah, but I mean, he's dying from, you know, emphysema. <laughs> You're like, yeah. But, no, but I know, mean... Which, so which problem are you going to fix first? The problem is you can... you cannot If you want a world which operates on multiple fronts, then you have to confront problems on multiple fronts. I see what Neil's saying. But at the same time, uh, you you also say, well, both of them have legitimate concerns. Yes, I, I agree with that. Like I could see the, the the thought process behind Seb's article. But what I'm saying is it comes down to the crux of fans are being exploited. Fans are being exploited. To so some extent they are. I mean, Adam, Adam, you cannot say that it doesn't look as if... And I, I'm, I'm very vocal about this. I have no problem with saying this to people from Arsenal Fan TV, from other channels. It looks from the outside as if certain members are being exploited there because there are people down the years who, you know, they're not a sandwich short of a picnic, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But there have been issues, personal issues with certain members of channels who have gone too far and they've struggled with the fame side. Mm. And the, the difference the there viral, is that the virus if, if sensation you, side. But that's the problem is that if you work with it, uh, so that's the double edged sword. Mm, if you work with the big to... Well, there's yeah. a duty of care. If, if, you, if you work with a big corporate company, then you have someone who is almost legally bound to give you a duty of care. Mm. And, they'll, and there'll be legal people in there who go, hold on a minute, wait, this, this is going too far. Uh, you know, we need, to, we need to look at, you know, do we need to financially reimburse this person? Do we need to make sure that they're set up within their life? And there are also private stories about that, which we shouldn't really be discussing mm. on the podcast, but they're private story, Private, what you want to put in inverted commas, success stories of people who have managed to ride a wave and pay off their mortgage, etc., etc. Um, but at the same time, if you want to keep it small, then you don't have the money for a legal department because the legal department is expensive because those people are well-versed in media law. So what do you want? Do you want a department where it's run by amateurs who know how to point your camera in the right direction, know how to ask some critical questions, but don't know how to do anything else? Mm. Or do you want it the other way? Or do you want YouTube to take care of that? Is it YouTube's duty of care? Because they're essentially the broadcaster and the people are holding it. Or is it the government's duty of care? Who, who, or is it the person who is sitting on camera expressing their views? Yeah, well, now, I know I've spoken a lot, but there's a lot of ideas to unpack there. No, I know. I'd, I'd say into that, we've, uh, because I work for this, uh, this media company, we've all had health and safety training. We've had training to try and deal with certain situations and avoid certain situations that you touched on um well, how to operate a fan cam no Good no no in, in less... <laughs> how was the game for you yeah. well it's yeah, quite that's a match. Match. <laughs> so good. but you know what i mean he's sort of saying you know uh, having a corporate uh entity within fan channels is 
wholeheartedly negative. There's no positives to that. On the plus side, I'd say there is a professional way of running things that is trying to be achieved. I'd say do your job, Seb. That's all I'd say. Do your job. Put some quotes in the article. Go and ask people about it. Don't comment on something that you've not done any research on. It is very... Because I feel like fan channels, like I'm saying, are getting a, a wider media acceptance now or at least a wider media prominence i feel like the the reaction has been somewhat negative to fan channels but, well the guardian the guardian have gone out of their way to mock certain not not gone out of their way but they've mocked certain members of arsenal fan tv mm. saying you know what's going on with the guys and it's e- because it's easy fodder um but that's part of the problem is that it, it does also somewhat come from a white middle-class male who sort of goes look at those silly working class people they don't know they're on tv and uh, and so you assume that they don't have any agency or, well, that, not, the, or that literally the fan cams end and then those people go home and that robbie robbie who runs arsenal fan tv doesn't go oh it's great to see you claude lovely guy why don't we go and have a drink because we're mates so they just assume that everything ends and then it's exactly the same as you. So again, this is what I'm saying. It's a poorly researched article that doesn't well, you want. I feel like the, the when fan channels do get the prominence, they do get wider media attention. The only time established media companies and brands, back. it will be when someone goes on a, on a crazy rant and, you know, they, they you know, oh, look at this guy going absolutely crazy. It, you only see that one side of it. It's not a fully fleshed out picture of what these fan no. channels are producing you know every other day of the week so there is that aspect of it's, it's only the negative stuff that does achieve wider mm. prominence well, well yeah but i mean then that that's part of the problem is that if you have um, um media aggregation companies like facebook and twitter and you have huff people at like post yeah that's what i'm Buzz talking feed. about the nature of the society we're talking about capitalist site society and like you're saying facebook people will only share god look at this crazy guy what a bloody lean they won't share a very measured jack gives a very measured response to chelsea's well, current, I, mean, you know I mean but then it's but only then when someone say, goes mental you, you well then you'd say well actually does it i mean the, the point was made by louis from 100 percent chelsea the other day it doesn't matter what the media say because he's a chelsea fan Although, but then you say, well, you know, you have to paint that the other side and go, well, it does actually matter what the media say because they represent to your shareholders and your shareholders want to know that you can make corporate deals. Well, it's a very, so it does matter, but it doesn't matter. It's a very interesting, complicated topic nonetheless. I would love to hear if you're listening some thoughts from you guys. What do you think about football fan channels? Do you watch any? I mean, do you have a negative perception generally of fan channels and what they're trying to do? Because I think it is a very, like I said, there's a lot of people who are chiming in now and they're, they're getting their thoughts out there. So it'd be interesting to hear what the, the whole itself I, has to say. But, but it's also, if, if it, the problem is, if, it's, if something is a success, people don't complain. Hmm. So, for instance, Barcelona is a success story. But for a while, there was a possibility it, it may not have been. And for a while, there was a possibility that there was a lot of uh, fraudulence there. And for, for a while, and still now, it's based on an ideology which does not come from Catalonia. It comes from the Netherlands and Cruyff. So mm-hmm. if you want to talk about importing and globalization and making money out of things, that's the fan channels are, are so low down on that pecking order. Yeah. But yeah, you're covering a, you're covering a sport which is a which like sport. I mean, the, the, the ultimate answer would probably be sport. Uh, football uh, mirrors life, represents life mm. in, to some extent. Um, and then you'd say, well, in that case, then fan channels are going to have a corporate entity as part of them. But don't paint as if 
some back in the day when fan channels started yeah. in the eighties, you know, those were the days. Those were the days. Well, because the fact is that the Times has been exploiting people for years when they write in, and people would mock the Times. The people who write into the Times going, "Well, I don't think that Margaret Thatcher should be." They mock those people, and the BBC has mocked people, and everyone mocks people. So it's not just fan channels that do it. And I think that the problem is he's so isolationist about it, and has then, to some extent, not written his reply, which I'd love to read, although I would also love to read more people's views on it. There's a huge... There's almost like... We almost want to have, like, a live debate between people who <laughs> believe both sides. Like, you know what I mean? Me, 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 personally, I've just had, like, you know, from, from being on Full-Time Devils, you know, working at Squawker, I used to be a data analyst, and obviously... I think Sanj and the guys, um, you know, said, do you want to, what do you want to see what it's like going on full-time devils? And, you know, that's a big, a big part of my life. That was, you know, that was a big break to sort of moving into the world of talking about football. I loved talking about football before that moment, but couldn't tell, you know, it, it made it a lot more passionate. And now, you know, we're, we're on this podcast now. We wouldn't be, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now without full-time devils because mm. full-time devils gave me the voice. So I am, you know, massively grateful for these guys. I think that's another part that you've got to look at it is this other side that it, the voice is there and fans do have a voice now. They yes. have a voice more than they have done in the past. And I think that's the positivity of fan cams are yeah, often outlook. The, pro okay, the, pro the problem is, Dave, it, it, there's, the, the, there's going to be media criticism of that. And you, obviously, as a journalist, you're always looking from a critical side. But your, your reply to that would be there's been a thickening of the voice, but... Are you? I mean, essentially, no. We're never going to reach a media well, utopia, but you're never going to be able to have everyone's voice. Well, so, you mm. know, does Manchester does a Manchester United fan channel have to have the fans from India on it? You know, d d does it have to have the fans from America because they've paid the money for NBC to pay for yeah. the rights, which has then gone to the club? So they've paid their money to be fans. So wh who's your fans, Seb? Is is your fan just the mm. people who pay their money to go to the stadium? Or is it the people who talk about it and give it social capital? Or is it the people who pay the money in America or pay the money in India? Oh, no, wait a minute. We don't acknowledge the Indian ones or we don't acknowledge the Malaysian ones. Why? They don't have enough money to invest in a market. So we don't acknowledge them until they've got enough money. And it's at that point where you think there's a huge amount of criticism and, and hypocrisy here. Yeah. It's interesting when, um, Dave, you're sort of saying there about full-time devils. So, you know, like you're saying, you love talking about football. And the reason me, you and Lawrence do this podcast is because we enjoy talking about football together we enjoy talking about the issues around the game but yeah. even we have talked about signing up to a service that allows us to put adverts into our podcast does that commercialization of our podcast diminish our authenticity anyway or does it diminish our passion for the game or or but adam put it this way right the reason that we spoke about putting adverts into the podcast was why because we, we, you and I sat down, Dave wasn't there at the time, but you and I sat, I mean, Dave's always been on the podcast, but, but um, <laughs> you and I sat down and we said, how can we raise money to be able to buy shirts that we can then give away as prizes of on course. the podcast? Yeah, yeah, that and was... our first answer was, well, we could do adverts or obviously we can put our own money in hmm. and that's fine. But, we, you know, I'm trying to pay rent in London here, mate, you know, and, or, do, or do you do a Kickstarter or, you know, so it's how you I'm saying. I'm saying Seb the problem is it's conflicts. about authenticity isn't it exactly but in the article one of the problems I had with it was just that he conflates commercial involvement with all encompassing negativity there's no positives to it whereas as you pointed out you know we were talking about oh, maybe we should put adverts in the podcast because we could maybe generate revenue to print off t-shirts to give away uh, to, to 
the audience. Yeah. So it's not... It's tell, like, by the way, like tell us if you want that to happen. Uh, but, uh, hashtag no or hashtag yes. Printing, hashtag I am the no or hashtag I am the yes. Printing beautiful <laughs> front three t-shirts to give out is... Um, yeah, it's more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Maybe those those ads will uh, that help fund that shirt, shirt drive. But um, for Christmas, no, it's a very interesting debate altogether, though, and I think um, it's one that's only going to grow. I think as as more yeah. fan channels and you know all the rest sort of grows with it. But the problem is it's part of the media landscape now. Yeah, uh, not the problem, so. but I mean, it's also that it's not like the most people almost want to go right. Let's hit pause. Let's have a quick conversation and then press play again, mm. and we'll all be. Uh, working from a fair, uh, equal playing field where we were all born into equal privilege, and you know, but the fact is, the world isn't like that. Um, so, what do you do about it? And then there's fucking ass asshole white guys who just sit around and have a fucking podcast because they're so privileged and they can just Speaking afford to give of their time which, up. Lawrence. Yeah, if where you can the good this? people find more of your <laughs> asshole ramblings on Twitter? Uh, they're not arsehole rambling on Twitter. I, I mean, you're love to, wonderful I, chat. Uh, I, I, I would love to hear what people have to think about this. I did a media degree, uh, as you can probably tell, um, and I'm really interested in what people think, mm. e- kind of equal voices. So um, hey, let me know, at Lozcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. And Dave? Here we go. Is everyone ready? Yeah, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A-D-A-V-E. Got it, mate. Good. What about you, Adam? Uh, what if people want to hear your dulcet tones? You can, well, if you want to hear my dulcet tones, uh, head over to the Football Republic <laughs> football fan channel on YouTube. I read your tweets or, in your voice. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I need to start doing that. If yeah. you want to read my tweets in my voice, head over to <laughs> Adam Boltwood on Twitter. If you want to send us any suggestions, questions, thoughts, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at the front three. Until next time, we'll see you next week. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 